it was a business cla uh, class about what's your plan for your life? You know, what do you want your day to look like? I was like, well, I want to be by the beach and I want to be like, you know, involved in the community and, you know, make a business that connects all the, you know, connects things, you know, to the people that want something. So, well, give more thought to that. What are we missing here from California, from Jersey? And I was like, you know, it didn't take long. I was like, well, I have everybody that comes visit me, bring a Jersey Shore sub, you know, and it was like, yeah, you know, I want I want a Jersey, you know, sub. I mean, there's here people here in California are eating Chinese food and tacos and you know other stuff, but nobody's here eating subs. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not gonna be 100% in, I'm not gonna do it. Come on, man, just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Rob, welcome. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for coming. Great to be here. Long time listener. Long, I, listen, I love that. <laughs> yeah, you guys got to give me some love. Let me know I'm you're listening. Give me the flowers now, man. Love, you know, love what you do. Love the uh, conversations. Always nuggets of wisdom there. So hopefully uh, give you some tonight. I, I just briefly speaking with you, I think you're going to have a bunch. So local guy. We had the bubble coos on, we had the fins on, we had to hit the trifecta and have surf taco on. Well, I'm honored. Yeah. yeah. It's good to be here. One of the original, really, ideas or concepts coming out here to the Jersey Shore in kind of that cuisine, correct? Yeah. We started up in uh, 2000. So, um, you know, back in the day, it was pizza, it was subs. And when, when we first opened, it was kind of a new concept, bringing fish tacos to the Jersey Shore. So yeah, And you went out to California, which we'll get into later in the story, which really kind of started. How did you start thinking about surf and subs or surf and taco? But we'll get into that. But for your friends and your family and the people who supported Surf Taco who are going to see this or watch this, um, this show really was started because I was a kid that didn't do well in school. I didn't believe in the traditional route. I still don't believe in the traditional route almost more than I did back then. And uh, I didn't have many people helping me. You know, if you didn't have a large network that they can go plug into and make money off you, or if they didn't think you had the biggest, you know, intellect, there was very limited help. So I said, once I make a couple bucks, I'm gonna help. I didn't know what that looked like. I kind of looked at and visualized a, a shark tank mm -hmm. and me coming together with my wealthy friends and funding a guy who needed a truck and a landscape trailer. No bullshit, that was really my thought process. Fast forward, me and Evan launched this thing called Local Mentorship where I was grabbing young kids, took this kid Trevor off the truck, 60 grand a year. His father had trouble in that industry with drugs. He didn't want to take that route, just had a young baby. He made 300 grand this year. And wow. I said, wow, we can do this. It then morphed into Fireside. So this is all about turning around and helping the young business owner or the older guy, right? Because mm -hmm. an old guy can learn new tricks. Sure. I don't believe that an old guy can't learn new tricks. And uh, you're somebody who has pumped a business in the community. You have multiple locations, you're in multiple states, and I know you have a ton of nuggets and that's why you're here. And again, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Awesome, thank you. So, grew up in Tom's River. Yeah, TR in, guy. Born and raised in TR to all my TR people out there. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, my first job was uh, Rich's Ice Cream, uh, right down the road from where I lived. Uh, it was family owned and operated since 1955, and home of the Richie Bar, which we Delicious. talked about earlier. One of the best ice cream sandwiches out there to this Shh, day. Don't tell, don't <laughs> tell Jersey Freeze. Um, anyway, that was my first job, just kind of really learning, like you know, small business, and it was just kind of grinding and making ice cream cones and. You know, my, my boss there at the time was just put a smile on people's face. And, you know, it was pretty easy to do when you hand them an ice cream cone or a sundae or a Richie bar. And, you know, people were just, you know, I just love that connection. So I think that was the first time, you know, that, that, small, that small business kind of mentality went off. So went through high school, went off to college. You were like partying, doing your thing. And you're like, I don't know if this is for me. And I'm kind of fast tracking your college life. But at the time, going to college, you didn't really have a predetermined thing that you wanted to do yet. No, I'll just touch on what you said, like alternative paths, right? Like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, it's in my blood. You know, I never knew what that meant, but you know, college to me was like four years of, of learning and I loved the idea of it. And I, I always loved learning, you know, but like getting credits and trying to do these papers and stuff like that really didn't connect with me. So. I went to Marist College at first and I was in communications. I always wanted to be, you know, Howard Cosell or a disc jockey or get into radio or something along those lines. Um, so I thought that was the direction to go. But meanwhile, you're like studying theory of communications and I was just like, this really isn't for me. I'm in Poughkeepsie. I don't, I'm, a, I'm a Jersey Shore guy. I like the ocean. You know, I like, you know, a little bit more. So I kind of, I dropped out. Of, uh, I finished my first year at Marist and applied to University of Delaware. And it was a, I knew a lot of people going there. I was lifeguarding in the summers and I had a big connection at there. And I thought, you know, that would be a good move uh, going to University of Delaware and transferred there. Um, went my first year, you know, they didn't really ask me back for the second, but- <laughs> Made you have fun. Um, I decided to go anyway. I was like, you know what, who needs credits? I'm gonna still go, I'm gonna take classes, I'm gonna learn. And, you know, I kind of just went to school and pretended I was a student at that point, really not knowing the direction I wanted to go. Um, but, you know, after the first year, I did another year there, made it through a whole year. And then it was kind of like, all right, well, I can't go back to school anymore. So I went back to OCC, took classes there, loved it. Uh, you know, worked at Tycoons in Lavalette and was going to school at OCC. And I was living across the street from the surf club. And, you know, kind of just in that Jersey zone in the winter and I didn't really have a direction. And I was like, a TV show came on called Key West and it was with Fisher Stevens. And it was like, you know, for communications back then, it was like you had a TV and it was like, I saw palm trees and this guy writing. I was like, oh man, that looks like, that looks great. It's snowing here in Jersey and people are miserable right now. And let me take a drive down there. So I borrowed my friend's tent, drove down to Miami. I had a friend in Miami, stayed over there and then went all the way down to Big Pine Key and got a campground for five bucks that time. It came with a, a shower and a bathroom and kind of set up shop for about four months. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna read, 
you know, I called it RNU, Rob Nagel University, and just like, let me just study what I want to study. Let me learn what I want to learn. Let me sit by fires every night, look at the stars, and, you know, and I'd have people come down for spring breaks, and, you know, I'd show them my, my tent, and we'd go fishing and go down to Key West once in a while, and just, you know, it was kind of a, there was no cruise ships or anything down there. You were literally at the end of the earth back, back in the day, so really felt, you know, the nature aspect, just, you know, the independent study. And I was really like, I want to write, I want to kind of figure out the creative side of things. You know, I thought about a direction going to California and kind of getting to Hollywood and film and all that stuff. And I thought, what a great avenue I could kind of just get the ball rolling because school really wasn't connected. I want to stop you real quick and go back to the tent. So a lot of times, school and the traditional route is pushed on us. And I guess for the masses, it's, it's, I guess, a percentage that the smart people at the top think that that's going to be the highest success rate or the, the most people we're going to funnel into an area. But it's the outsiders that think outside that box and do something like, let me remove myself from that system for a minute, like you did for four months. Let me get out in nature. Let me tap into my creative side. I, all these guys know I go up to the mountains, I just shut down, I'm not hustling, I'm not connecting people, I'm not closing deals, I'm just tapping into my creative side, shutting down the grind, 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 grind. And when I'm up there, I just find a different space in my subconscious and I'm like, that's gonna work. This is an idea. This is what I'm gonna do for the podcast. This is content or this is something I wanna do in the finance space. And not enough people go and search for that stuff and go spend time alone. Everything is so easy to be sucked into social media, which this is social media, but it's a tool. You got to manage your media. You got to manage the time with others. You got to manage what you're doing in school. So I think it's really cool to hear someone like you that was kind of an outsider who took a non-traditional route and kind of found something that was your next stepping stone that led you into the next part of your story, which I'll let you share. Yeah, and, and just to touch on that, and back in the day, it wasn't easy, you know? Like, everybody had to go to college. That was the next stepping stone to get a job. Yeah, you're a loser if you didn't. You, you know, so I, I give a lot of credit to my mom who, you know, always supported me. And, you know, when I said I was kind of dropping out and going down to the Keys, she kind of, you know, let me let me be me and figure it out on my own. So, you know, to have somebody that supports you in your decisions and directions, whether it's right or wrong, is a gift to, to anybody so they can figure it out. Whether they win or fail, it's gonna help them in the long run. So just to be, you know, smart about how you kind of talk to people and this is the direction and this is what you need to do. Well, that might be right for you. Doesn't mean it's right for Joey or Johnny or Rick or Sally. So it's really just understanding what their passion is. And my passion was always creativity and writing and, and movies. And, you know, in the, in the 90s, I had more VHS tapes imaginable. I filmed everything and was creating content back when content wasn't, had nowhere to go, but us watching it on a Friday night with five of our friends and just laughing, you know? So, yeah. you know, but it was always that fun aspect of that it. Smoke. I love it right there. <laughs> This is this is Jersey to a T right here. So that's a really good point, though, that you made is uh, and a great nugget. And make sure people write that down that pay attention is encourage people to do something that they're passionate about. One thing that I discovered in this whole thing is people are now bringing me on for coaching. And it's not about you selling mortgages. No one cares if you 
sold another house, you closed another deal, or you're a realtor. No one really cares about the pictures on your social media feed every day. What do you do as a person? Who are you in the wild? Are you into coaching? Are you into ballerina? Are you into what is your passion that you're into? Let's focus that on you, the person. And because of that, you're going to indirectly get the leads flowing back to your business because you're becoming more happier. You're pursuing something that you want to do. And it has nothing to do with your business. You just drip that in. So I'm a big proponent of pushing people towards what they're passionate about. And also be uncomfortable, right? People don't want to hear that. But like leaving everything and going down to the keys to camp, I was like, I don't have any money. I don't have any direction. Like this is on me. This isn't comfortable. This isn't easy. But the nuggets I'm going to learn down here are going to be so valuable just to be on my own and meet people and sit by a fire and listen to people and look up at the stars and figure out, you know, what they all are, you know, and it's like, get your mind going, but make yourself uncomfortable. And I think we're afraid to do that and push ourselves to those boundaries because we all like the comfort and we all, we're, we're afraid to, to go out of bounds or do something wrong or be made fun of. And I think we got to get away from that. And really, if you're into something and you're passionate about it, but, but be okay with being uncomfortable as well. Yeah, you got to lean into that stress. I think so many times we run from the stress and we want to do less things that make stress and, and it just kind of makes you fall into your own little comfort zone, to your point, and yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So you went and you finished up doing the tent. You then went and you were doing some stuff with the Peace Corps, I'm sorry, or it was a Yeah, program. so no, first I came back to Jer- the Jersey Shore. So after, you know, four months down in Keys, um, you know, I came back to Jersey Shore. I was a lifeguard. You know, I lived at, you know, the beach, the summer was coming. I was going to bartend and Lavalette. And I worked at Ortley Beach as a lifeguard and Normandy and and Island Beach at at one point as well. So it was nice to kind of come back to the home base. You know, there's Mm -hmm. nothing like the Jersey Shore this summer. So I came back to the Jersey Shore and I was bartending and, um, you know, I was interested in this girl who, you know, I knew a little bit before I left and she was, she, you know, she was back in, uh, back around. I would follow her to different restaurants and see where she was at. And we had a connection and, and you know, my future wife, Melissa. So um, a shout out to Melissa. Um, current wife. My now. current wife, yes. Um, <laughs> but it was that, you know, and- She could be your future wife also. <laughs> yeah, my, my current wife. Um, but, um, well, she was my future wife when I was, I when I was there. Um, anyway, she, uh, you know, she was really grounding and she was going to school at Rutgers for two more years. And, you know, you know, I fell in love and it was like, uh, well, let me just kind of stay here temporarily and let me figure out what to do for the next two years while she goes to school. And, you know, I, I waitered and I host and I bartended and I lifeguarded and, you know, and, and I went to school at OCC and I went to school at Rutgers and I, I was still into the creative side of things. I took photography classes. I took writing classes. She I, motivated you. She motivated me to be a better person, but also, yeah, like get your shit together kind of and like figure and I, things out. I think that's something that's like been pushed away from society too. It's like, you know, be single, party, buy the Lambo, jet, you know, whatever it is that they put out on social media that you see so much of, that's just not real life. You know, when I met my wife, Kelly, it was like, all right, 
this girl's gonna wanna get engaged. She's gonna want a house. She was much smarter than I am. I'm like, I need to make sure my shit's together. And you know, this is a little nugget for the younger yeah. people out there. Like if you find a good girl and, or, or a good guy and you guys have a great connection like you talk about what you have with your wife, like lean into that. Like yeah. this yeah. is your friend, this is your best friend and you guys could do some really cool shit together. You don't always have to be single and live that party life. And don't get me wrong, Kelly and I did a lot of party and had a lot of fun, but you were doing it with your friend and yeah. we both pushed each other to progress our, wi- our lives. And uh, I'm actually going to start talking about that more on the podcast. That's like, awesome. Get yeah. your queen. Yeah. Be the king. Get yeah. your queen. Yeah. And there's a power to that, be, having a partner and somebody that's there to support you that you can, you can have a vision with. You can tell them, you know, your, your fears and your goals, you know, and kind of work it out and work through it and your adventure, you know, and choose the one that kind of came to me and was like, I want to go to California. And, you know, I think there's a program called AmeriCorps Vista and, um, we can do a one-year commitment. It's basically the domestic Peace Corps. We're gonna travel the country, and then we're gonna live in, you know, outside of LA and work in the inner cities, working with kids at the 4-H after-school program. So in East LA and South Central, and really develop resources for kids. So, you know, I was intrigued from that perspective, and then also from a perspective of, wow, you know, that's where creative's happening too. So I can kind of lean into that eventually as well and still kind of be a part of this. And what I didn't realize was how much, you know, that experience changed my life. You I was know? just gonna ask you, what, what did you take from that most? It was just perspective, you know, and when you go to, to Watts and South Central and you see the kids and just a lack of opportunities, you know, and you talk about that, but it's, um, you know, it's daunting and they, these kids haven't seen the beach and, and you know, it's, 10 minutes away and they, you know, you'd come there and you bring volunteers and their, their eyes would light up and you just felt this connection and it was, it was powerful, you know, and it was like, wow, how do we get these, you know, kids more resources and opportunities and especially in these really tough communities, you know, and give them more, you know, get them out and show them the beach and take them to amusement park, but also give them, you know, a future, you know, and how do we get them kind of helped him out. So I did that for the first year. And then the second year, they kept me on as a, as a Vista leader. So I oversaw about 20, 20 other Vistas from across the country that would come there to help support the organization as well. So then I kind of oversaw them and I would give them direction and we kind of have meetings and taught you a lot of management skills, management. Yeah. And that was something I never really leaned into or knew I had, you know, mm-hmm. and it was really kind of objectives and what, what events can we do? How do we get resources? How do we fundraise, you know, working at a nonprofit, all those, all those kind of things. And it really opened my eyes to a bigger picture of how fortunate you are, but also, you know, how much you can kind of give back and, you know, it was really a good perspective from, from that point of view. My buddy I had on, Sean Gravy, I don't know if you saw his episode, sure. 43 Oak. He okay. had the Islanders and UBS oh, fund yes. him for underprivileged yes. kids in the city yes. to play ice hockey. Yep. Um, and uh, he's doing a lot with that. Good guy I could connect you with, man. He's, awesome. He's pushing hard at, he's from the streets of Philly. He yep. grew up seeing it all and uh, got himself into advertising, crushed it. So shout out to 43 Oak and Sean, he's a great Absolutely. dude. Absolutely. Um, so after leaving the domestic Peace Corps, um, what led you back to Jersey again? Well, I didn't make it back that quickly. I was out there for about six years. So 
after that, you know, I stayed on and I became a placement officer out there. So anybody in in the U.S. that wanted to be placed at a nonprofit in the in the 10-state Pacific region, I'd match you up. So if you were in the finance, I'd find you a finance nonprofit. If you were in the kids, I'd find you, you know, the kids programs or uh, environment. I'd find you an environment program. So everywhere from Alaska to, to Oregon, uh, yeah, to Washington, down to Arizona, Nevada, California, so that whole region. Did you spend time in Alaska? I never made it there, but I placed a lot of people there, yeah. yeah. There was a certain element that people that wanted to go to Alaska, like wanted to go to Alaska, and you know, they were just set, set on, on it. it. But there was some really good nonprofits there doing really good work that, you know, I get a lot of feedback and photos and everything going on there. A, but. a guy just spent out this event uh, out in Utah. He's from Alaska and lived out there his whole life, raced snowmobiles and ended up figuring out a way to stay there. He built these or bought these things from Ukraine and other countries that okay. are called fat tire trucks. Okay. And what ended up happening is the oil companies that work up there in Alaska, they have no availability to medevacs. Oh, wow. And they have no av availability or roads to get somebody out who may be injured, so they contracted with the kid. Okay. And Tyler's killing it up there oh, wow. and uh, living the life. I want to get up to Alaska bad. Yeah. My wife has been. She had a roommate in college, but... Um, I took us off track. That's my ADD. No, that's Alaska my, that's is a beautiful my, place. That's on my bucket list. It's definitely on high up there too, because there's something about you know the wilderness and you know what you see in the fishing and the salmon and the people and everything about. What about it. Montana? Have you been to Montana? I have not yet. No, but same thing. I knew a lot of people from Montana, and there's a the big sky, and it's just like they talk about the the sky and the stars and you know, the national parks and, but eventually. Somehow everybody like us leaves. We end up back in Jersey Well, though. Jersey gets its hooks in you. And I, yeah. I've told three, three people this week that oh, I was out here, I was out in, you know, in Washington or I was out in Ohio. And I was like, in, you know, some way Jersey always kind of pulls you back in. It's, there's something in the air here. There's something, an essence here. And there's a personality that kind of drags you back you know it's it is a special place and it's funny i had a guy here from st louis matt vinson uh company not dead yet shout out to matt and he uh he was like you know it's it's, it's a cool vibe you guys are aggressive here and I'm like yeah, you know we're a little, definitely a little bit more aggressive but we're, we're all used to it right you know but the jersey shore really is a special place we're going to be throwing an awesome event april 1st for entrepreneurs for awesome. small business owners um, I hope to see everybody from the Jersey Shore there because nice. these events are all hosted in Texas, all hosted out west, California, Utah, Colorado. Um, so we're bringing those people here to nice. the East Coast. So nice. I want to co Bring put, it. I want to go put Jersey Shore <laughs> on the map awesome. and uh, get a lot of eyes on it. Nice. So you spent six more years out there, and then how did you end up back in Jersey after that? So you know when I was when I was the placement officer, I decided to go back to school. You know I was getting some feedback, they give you a little, you know, a stipend to go back to school. And I was like, you know, I don't know what to go back to school for. I was going, I was actually gonna go back to school for photography. I was like, well, I'll go to like National Geographic and be the photographer and kind of do that route. But like back in the day, you know, I went to Brooks Institute and it was like, you know, you go in the dark room and you gotta like the chemicals and all this other stuff. And it's like, I'm not good at that part of it. You know, this is before. That's not making it fun now. That's not fun anymore. So, you know, I was just talking about my mentor out in, in California and she was like, uh, Marissa, she was like, you know, have you thought about going back for your MBA? And I was like, no, I mean, I don't even have my undergraduate at this point. You know, I went to so many schools. I think the total was seven. 
And I was like, I never even got my bachelor's at this point. And, and well, you should look into it because I think you have, there's something there with the management side of things. So I did my research and, you know, I saw Thomas Edison in Trenton here uh, that would take all your credits and kind of make a degree for you. And I, you know, credits from everywhere. And they did the magic and uh, handed me a humanities degree. And my mom made a cake and I showed her the degree and we were really happy. And mm -hmm. then I was able to then- Win-win. Win-win. I want to talk about the mentor real quick, though. Yeah. And what'd you say her name was? Uh, Marissa. Marissa. Shout out to Marissa. How important is it to have mentors at all levels of your life, even you now, right? Yeah. And especially when you're young and you're trying to figure out business and life, how important was that mentor to you to kind of, you weren't really looking in that direction, but to kind of just, just, just tweak your thinking just slightly? A hundred percent. I mean, it's what makes you, you know, like, um, you know, I, I had a very, um, strong, like great guy, uh, my, my stepfather, who was my first mentor came into my life at like seven and really guided me. He was an engineer and, um, but yet kind of figured me out early and was like, you know, I'll let, you know, the philosopher be the philosopher. Like he let me be me, you know, and let him go on his adventures and his spreadsheets weren't working out for you in college. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to send you down the engineer degree, right? <laughs> but he had the wisdom to be, you know, so like loving and, you know, gave me the support and, and the confidence to be myself. And good, you know, when I told him I was going down to Florida, you know, he laughed, but he was like, you know, wish me the best. Let me know how I can help and stuff like that. And kind of gave me the freedom to become myself. So he was, he was very powerful in my life. And really when I first opened Surf Taco, he was the first one to really back up the idea and the concept and said, yeah, you're an entrepreneur, like you got this. So very powerful, you know, mentors are very powerful and can make a difference in everybody's life. I, I pay $5,000 a month for coaching still. Um, and uh, I coach people myself. It's extremely important, just different, eyes that are looking on your situation you're not stuck in the same think tank yeah and you get other people that are sitting there saying hey you could work on this or you could do that or have you ever thought about this so i was just glad that you said a mentor shifted the way that you were thinking yeah perspective right i never saw myself as a business person and back in the day a business person to me was like knocking on doors and Soon. selling you know an encyclopedia or a vacuum like i didn't know what like business like i don't get that like i'm a i'm an artist i'm a creative you know like so for me to to switch it and be like well you know you have the skills to be a good manager and that's when i went i went back to school and i was super scared and nervous and uncomfortable like we talked about taking a first business class and at you know i went to school at night at pepperdine and, you know, they let me in to take, you know, one class at first just to see, like, can you do it? And, um, you know, fought through the accounting and statistics and, you know, and, and then kind of worked my way through a lot of the, the classes. And then I took an entrepreneurship class and that's when the light bulb went off, you know. And what was it in that class that, that sparked that? It was the professor, once again, it was like, you know, picture yourself, you know, living in this ideal world. An entrepreneur is somebody that understands, is at the doorway of, of the door, you know, and it's like, you're selling a product that people want. And, 
you know, an entrepreneur can create a business that's that's funds and gives people jobs and experiences and is there for the customer. And I was like, wow, this sounds really cool. Like I didn't know how to spell it. I was like, this is cool. Like you I never, never you never coined a phrase to how you thought an entrepreneurship. You know, entrepreneurship. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she put it together like, well, you're going to write a business plan. And this was the class. And it wasn't a business plan about a business. It was a business cla- a class about what's your plan for your life? You know, what do you want your day to look like? I was like, well, I want to be by the beach and I want to be like, you know, involved in the community and, you know, make a business that connects all the, you know, connects things, you know, to the people that want something. So, well, give more thought to that. What are we missing here from California, from Jersey? And I was like, you know, it didn't take long. I was like, well, I have everybody that comes visit me, bring a Jersey Shore sub, you know, and it was like, yeah, you know, I want, I want a Jersey, you know, sub. I mean, there's here, people here in California are eating Chinese food and tacos and, you know, other stuff, but nobody's here eating subs. Like what an opportunity. Like I'm dumbfounded at this point, you know, late nineties, it was like not, existing out there and I was like hey, you know how can we kind of put a business well then she was like put a business plan around that you know and incorporate what your life wants to be and who you want to be and then what that business plan is and put that together and I wrote it up and I called it surf and subs and surf and subs and I was like everywhere from San Diego to San Francisco all along the coast there I'm going to have sub shops and be involved in beach events and volleyball tournaments and nonprofits and really kind of just build it from there. And, and uh, I really spent my time focusing on that. You know, everything got fuzzy outside of that because I was so into being an entrepreneur. You, you were hyper-focused. You know? It pulled you. The excitement pulled you. And yeah. something you said best is start with what you want. Start with what your day looks like. And, and that's what I tell everybody. It was like, Ryan was such a rebel that I didn't want to go do that path, the traditional route, go nine to five. No, like what if I want to sleep in that day? What if I want to be up at five and work? What if I want to cut it out at two because I wanted to play golf or I wanted to ride dirt bikes or I wanted to travel, whatever it may be. I literally was driven off of that freedom. Mm -hmm. Freedom is everything to me. So that was really where the spark of surf subs was thought of. Walk us through what happened the next six months. Did you get one open? Yeah, so I got into it like heavy. I was known as a surf and subs guy and I would, any presentation I could do was around, you know, how to make a sub and what makes a Jersey sub so much better. And it's the juice and it's the bread and it's the water and like what equipment I would use and got to the point, like ended up graduating. And then uh, I was I was doing research and I found a little, little piece of property or uh, for sale for rent in Hermosa Beach. So it was like two blocks to the ocean, volleyball tournaments, surf contests. I was like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna hit. Was looking at slicers and, you know, how to, you know. You were all in. I was all in. I was like, I'm gonna be the sub king of of California. Jersey Bikes <laughs> wasn't really launched at the time. No, I big. actually reached out to them and they weren't franchising out in California at that time. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out. And, um, you know, figuring out, I had my, you know, my whole menu going and it had a Jersey kind of East Coast, you know, vibe to it and a jug handle drink and a, a Silver Bay and some, some other, you know, like local kind of Jersey, 
names that I was going to bring out to California. So I was looking at space, uh, looking at equipment. I was ready to go. I was close to signing a lease, actually. And then life happens, right? And my wife's dad got sick. And um, she was like, we got to go back to New Jersey. Like, I want to be back by my mom and closer to the family. <laughs> and I, I was like, you know, well. There's that woman again. You know, all right, well, let's go. And, and I was just like scrambling because I'm like, well, I, I have this business plan. And, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to make subs back in Jersey. And I was literally, literally coming from the airport, coming back here. And it was in August of... 2000 and I drove by Brave New World and I knew that because it they were the third largest surf shop in the country at the time because I was doing my research because I wanted to be by sub or by uh, surf, surf towns. Sh yeah surf towns and surf uh, shops and all that so I was like oh and there's a little spot right next to it and it was it was a health food store that went under and it was just kind of dilapidated, but it was right on the corner. It was right, right next to Brave New World. And I was like, oh, that would have been a great location for surfing subs. And I was like, you know, that's again, the light bulb. And it was like, you know, I built a business plan. I had this all in my head and I was It was like, a template. It could be interchanged. Yeah, I didn't know at the time, but then I was like, you know, being from California, I fell in love with tacos and burritos and that, you know, Mexican style cuisine. And I was like, you know, what if we did, what if we brought a little bit West back East instead of East out West? And I was like, yeah, like what would we call it? You know? And I was like surfing subs, surfing, we were going to do surfing subs, but about surfing tacos and surfing tacos and surf taco, you know? So that's kind of how that Dang dinged and I was like all right well we're still living in California and we were still and we were getting married and moving back and you know it was kind of a crazy time but I had the business plan and you know back in the day you'd have the white out and I basically wherever it said subs I put in tacos and then I started developing the menu and we had you know did another, you raise any money to, to, to launch this no you know this was kind of bootstrapped um, my stepfather gave me a little bit of a, a loan and, um, you know, we kind of went from there, but it was, um, it was kind of just figuring it out as you went. So kind of ask you a question. So for the person who's young and watching or my age and watching, and they're sick and tired of working for corporate America, you know, they've paid for their mortgage. They don't have money laying around and they don't have access to a loan. Don't you think because that pull was so hard, you would have found a way, you would have found money, you would have figured it out. I think I did, like, I mean, when I, when I say we built this out for $60,000, like we just, we scrapped it up. Built you know, it yourself. Built it ourselves. Um, you know, I had a credit card that came in the mail and I remember it was like for $20,000 and I was like, who on earth gave me this? Because I don't qualify for anything at this point. And it was just another, you know, another way to go. But, you know, I went to the military base and put bid, like I put a $400 bid on like all this equipment and, you know, I got it in big hangar and it was stainless steel. It was our salsa bar. It was our grill, it, you know, in the beginning. You know, you scrap, you scrap, and then you figure out how to get kind of make you it work. Get. And building out a kitchen, and it was friends, family, blood, sweat, and tears, kind of putting it all together, and and you know, really scrapping it through. You know, and, and I and I want to point that out for the viewer. Like, if you're passionate, if you got that pull, if you got that vision in your head, 
figure it out. Like so many people want to have like, well, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Like just set a deadline and go. And somehow your mind figures out a way to figure it out. And I've said this before on the podcast. If you're that passionate, you have that type of pull, just go after it. Like what's going to hurt? You go back to your other job, nine to five, they're out there. If you're a skilled person, you're willing to show up and work, you got work ethic, someone's going to hire you. Yep. Why not chase down the passion? Why go to your deathbed and say, man, I regret, I really wish I chased down that creativity or I chased down that thing that made me most excited or gave me that freedom. So I, I love to hear that from you. Well, I think it's going to, it gives you, you know, it gives you the perseverance. You're going to just learn so much more trying to, trying it, right? And it's, if it's in your, it's in your soul and it's really what you want to do. And look, some things don't work out, but you're still going to learn those skills. You're still going to have that fight in you. You're still going to figure it out. So if you do go back to the corporate world, you're a different person. So yeah, you learned a lot. And, and you want to sit in your rocking chair, you know, 50 years later, you want to say, I gave it a shot. And, it, you know, if it worked or if it didn't, you did it, you know, and you can kind of learn and pivot and, you know, wind the roads. But if you don't do it, you're never, you're always going to think, what if, you know? Yeah, so, and, and I constantly still take risk. It's, it's, it's all right. You build up a nest eggs and back in, you know, back into the next level and chasing down the bigger vision. And, and again, you could be a, a very simple business owner. And again, no business ownership is simple and none of it should be looked down upon, but you can have a small one taco shop, right? You can have a small little, you know, shop that sells guns. Whatever it is that you are into, you don't have to scale to X amount of stores, but if that's something you like and you enjoy and you don't want to work for the man in the rat race, like, why not give it a shot? And well, that's why I'm here doing ultimately this. Ultimately, it's about what makes you happy, right? Exactly. Like, so having one shop and you're, you're passionate about your hobby and whatever that is, and you're doing it on a daily basis and by your own kind of way, and then you've won, yep. you know? And, and if you're living in the corporate world and you're doing it and you, you love that, then you've won. So everybody's different and everybody has their own kind of passions and paths. And it's if you're if in the morning, you're, you wake up and you're happy and ready to go, then you won. So it's not how many or if I did this or that, it's just- What do you want? What do you want? Yep, I fully agree. And again, I don't think the corporate route is bad. You know, I have a brother-in-law, that I have a father-in-law that works for large names and they are very successful 100%. and it's what they enjoy and do. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of people stuck in the rat race. And I, COVID, one of the positives that came out of it is, you know, a company today reached out to be on Fireside. They do cinnamon buns. Awesome. They do like an order and then they sell out this U-Haul truck and they're like Love it. blowing up. They're going to be on. I, I apologize. I forget the name of the company. Awesome. But uh, that happened because of COVID. And sure. they were two people working in the pharma and marketing agency space and they just really disliked life. It was soul-sucking is how she described it. Right. And I think there's a lot of soul-sucking going on in the country still to this day. And I want Fireside and people like yourself to be an inspiration. Like, dude, take that leap. Give it a shot. You could always go back. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the fear is there. You just got to break the fear, right? And, you know, by breaking it, you just look at a bigger vision. But also be smart about it, you know, like build that business plan for your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, give that thought, you know, go to the woods, go wherever and really like what do you want your life to become rather than letting life happen. Yep. You know, and I think if you go with the mindset, you can pivot, right? Instead of subs, I went to tacos. Instead of California, 
I'm in, in Point Pleasant Beach, you know? So it's like just, I've, I know I'm living that life. I'm just doing it on a different coast, yep. you know? And that's, that's okay because life happens. Pivots, you got to pivot constantly, you know? When I first opened Surf Taco in Point Pleasant Beach, 9-11 happened. And it was, you know, we were four months into the business and everything went dark and it was just, it was painful. And I didn't know, I didn't know if people were going to come back and, and eat out again. And, you know, and you work through it and you, you learn and, you know, and you kind of just make a, ta- make a good taco and connect with people and, you know, you keep going. And then the 08 crisis happens and it was the Costco years and people kind of locked up and were afraid of buying anything, you know, and then Sandy happens and all right, now we got to deal with that. And then a pandemic happens. So you're constantly pivoting and guiding and, you know, you got to, have thick skin but you also gotta you know not have a straight it's not a straight line you gotta just be able to kind of maneuver as things come at you and say i want to move over here i want to move back this way and constantly you know as long as you're you're moving forward and you're happy with the direction you're going then you want yeah yeah i described it once on the podcast that if you want to get to the top of the mountain you got to hit a couple switchbacks and that's entrepreneurialism it's it whines because life throws things at you. Yeah, 100%. So you then see this little store, you visualize it, get back to Jersey, you're helping out your father-in-law, future father-in-law at the time, and you open, 9-11 happens. How far after that did you launch the Manasquan store? So it was about three years, so I was like, let me just grind it out. I'm, I'm the manager, I'm just gonna learn, I'm gonna create. I'm gonna see if I got the right product mix, if we're making the right stuff. And, you know, I didn't, you know, customers are like, your hot sauce is way too hot and can you make just a beef taco? And what's with all this fish? And like, what are you doing? And, you know, I would take that all in, but I was right there on the front lines, just asking, maneuvering, changing, tasting, you know, and just kind of building it up and handing out bumper stickers and, you know, high fives and, Stickers Having, were a big thing. Surf taco stickers yeah, were a hot commodity. They were everywhere. They were everywhere, you know? And it was just, that was the marketing budget, you know? It was like, if we can get stickers out there, if we can, like, be at events, and whether it was PNC, the art center at the time, or a surf contest, or, you know, we can invite people, people in for poetry night, you know? It was like, we're going to make just create a scene, you know? Give, it, give an experience, and let's be that that business that's out there in the community and kind of bringing people together, you know? So wherever we could bring food or hand out stickers or hats or, you know, we'd be there. So that was kind of the guerrilla marketing kind of part of it. And then you, and, and, and in the guerrilla marketing, I think what happens the most is connection. And I think everything nowadays is ads and clickbait and, and all that stuff. And, and what's still true and works the best is the word of mouth and connection with people. And when you're doing those events and you're bringing in the poetry and you're handing the young kid a sticker on his board that he feels like the man as he you know hits that skateboard and leaves your shop, like that is creating connection, which is obviously 100%. what's allowed you to do this for 22 years. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit and I'm going to go to the future vision of Surf Taco. And when we were talking earlier, you talked about we're at halftime, yep. right? And at halftime, you make a lot of adjustments. Uh, you have 11 stores now. Um, one or two of them are bars. Uh, we have one in Jackson and one down in Florida. Yeah. In Florida. So you have two bars and you're now looking into this new world. How do I create a new experience still with having the, the, the original emphasis of why I started Surf Taco? 
What does your vision look like? You have one of your teammates here. It seems like you're adding to the surf taco brand. You switched up some of the menu. My wife is <laughs> mad about the vegan style tacos. A lot tacos. of people are mad. <laughs> so tell me what the future of surf taco looks like. What's the game time adjustments? Yeah, it's... And, and you know that's that's the analogy I'm using. You know, it's halftime. We're in the locker room. We're kind of huddled up. We're we're seeing what works. Like you know, I threw a lot of spaghetti at the wall. A lot of things you know took. Some didn't. Um, you know, I went. We went. We opened bars. We went down to Florida. You know, so I'm really kind of just super focused on what really works right now and what can work for the next 22 years. You know, and we don't even have to think that far out. It's just you know, what's gonna work for the next five, right, or 10. And it's just, you know, we scale back our menu because I really went wide, you know, at a certain point. I became more of a diner than a taco shop. And if Johnny likes something, I would add it to the menu or Sally or Rick or whoever, like that, it just became too much. Orion really, burrito a Ryan Johnny burrito, Johnny burrito. Right. But the problem with that, it really comes down to consistency and execution, you know? And so we're really focused on systems. We're really focused on making sure our quality is there, our food is good. You get it right every single time. We cook the fish taco the same amount of time. So it has the crunch and the flavor and the squeeze of lime that really makes it our own, you know? It's, it's really focusing on the details. You You're know? making me want to order surf taco after this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the blocking and tackling, right? Like it's, how do we do this consistently over and over and over again and just do it right, you know? We can figure out the product mix and bring in the right ingredients and kind of give something for everybody. Uh, that works. We're bringing in the people that really create the environment and the energy and how we bring in people that are really buy into our culture and what we're trying to do. How do we create that vibe and that experience? And that's through our videos, that's through our music, that's through hospitality, that's through cleanliness, that's through welcoming the guests, thanking the guests, getting that feedback back in. And then how do we execute on a daily basis every single time? Yeah, gain that traction. Consistent, consistency, you know, you're only as good as your last taco. And, you know, if you over, over or undercooked, you know, my chicken or my steak, you didn't get me, you know, and everything else can be good, but you got to execute on all levels. And that's what we're really focused on. So, you know, my vision is just to focus on all those and, and just the fundamentals and scaling the menu down, but really executing it to a T and also meeting the customer where they want to be met, right? Like things have changed. And What's their experience, the pre-handle, all that. Or just, you know, they want to they want to pick it up and they don't want to talk to anybody, you know, and or they want it delivered, you know, and making sure your packaging is on point and the food is warm. Travels well. They got their salsas and it travels well or they want the experience now coming in and sitting down and are we connecting with them? Are we asking them how everything is? Is the salsa bar there? Like, are, are they getting everything they want? So, you know, all this stuff and it's just, you know, customer habits, but ultimately it's connecting with the customer once again and just really being there for that and creating a culture. What that journey do they want to walk on and then creating those multiple journeys for the for the multiple different personalities. A recent thing I implemented is EOS. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about it. No. Uh, but they really come in and they work with your executive team and they first agree on the structure of the business, what the roles are. So visionary, owner, visionary, integrator, marketing and sales, ops, and marketing and finances. And then everybody in the executive team 
sometimes in, in a tough dis, you know, discussion because, right, we're being open and honest. We all want to win here. Uh, we're agreeing on what those roles actually do and then who fits in that role best and who doesn't. Do you have the right person in the right seat? And then they, they build a metrics on a weekly basis called a pulse meeting that allows them to, based off a number, are we on track or are we off track? Right. And it's something that has helped my team um, tremendously. That's Ryan's awesome. a dude from EOS. I can hook okay. you up on it. It's, it's not Appreciate that expensive. That, yeah. Uh, they have a book, too, called Traction. You okay. can download it on Audible. Check it out. Okay. Uh, a little it. off topic, but it's something that really helped me. Awesome. Nice. So you're, you're looking to, let's say, add a good amount of stores. Do you look at opening up more franchises? Are you looking to take on capital? Are you looking to, to bring in more people who want to be in this space? Yeah, like I said, we're, we're just in halftime and we just want to execute, you know. So scalability can happen once you get everything right. Mm-hmm. So we're just focused on where we want to get everything right and then the opportunities will present themselves. And whether it's franchising or bringing capital on or opening more shops, like I'm not worried about that. I just want to, I'm worried about just how do we put the systems in place? How do we put the people in place? How do we really execute? How do we really build the brand up again? You know, that's something that, I think could be discussed too. It's like, you know, it came out of the gates. We're 22 years later, you know, how do we, how do we re-energize a brand, yeah. you know, like reinvent it, reinvent it or get, just give it the juice again, you know, and how do we be more, more involved and how do we change with the time? So we meet the moment, you know, like life happens and things, people get older, but like, you know, brands matter, you know, and that's why people, go to places because they care about the brand or they connect with the brand and that's what we want to do again is just really re-energize the brand be a part of the communities be part of people be really people-centric and really kind of build our culture a little bit better and kind of just take it from there because the opportunities, it, you know, it's if you get all those points right like take it you, to can, the you can take it wherever you want and we were go. talking about the cookie business before this you know yeah. crumble and and dirty dough which my buddies just got involved in like that stuff is you know you and i can see here now quarterbacking on monday like oh that's so simple you know but it's right place right time 100 percent. i mean who doesn't like a, even an Ann annie's or you know a cinnabon or whatever you know you can see the you know how that all works yep. it's just you know hitting hitting the people at the right time in the right spot matter absolutely what are you doing are you doing anything in the community a sense of charity and and doing things similar to what you were doing boys and girls club anything like that yeah i'm on the board for big brothers big sisters so and in asbury there so i've been on there for about 10 years now you know laura mulligan i know she did a lot with the boys and girls club. not sure i don't know if it was asbury might have been another one well that's boys and girls club so big brothers big Big sisters yeah they're out of asbury as well so um, you know, we do the volleyball tournaments and just mentorship and just kind of big supporters of them. However, and, I can help put more light on okay. that with this show and my social media. I'll help. Awesome. Yeah, Great so. organization. My boy, uh, Williams, the director there and super good guy and Point Barrow guy, too. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd love to connect with him as yeah. well. So really rolling to an end here, the story has been great and, and you dropped a ton of good nuggets. You know, anybody who watches this is going to be able to pick up a ton of wisdom and, and just not so much about the money and, and that, but more so about like, what's your life? What do you want to do, right? What, what is making you happy? What is yeah. going to make your family happy? Um, and then how do you go execute on that with making some money? Because, you know, a lot of times everybody wants to do all these great things. You want to go to the woods, you want to do all this stuff. Guess what? You need money. And uh, I get a little discouraged sometimes when you hear these people talk about all these great things and you don't need money, you need money, sure. you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, this is a business podcast, 
about starting a business and making money, but just like I take all my people through, what do you want? You gotta establish that, and you walk through that a lot in this episode. I like to leave people with two questions. Sure. Uh, first question is, if you could tell a young entrepreneur one thing, one thing um, that you think is most important, it is a, a pivotal thing to their success, what would it be? Don't care what anybody else thinks. I think that's, you know, when you're out there and the fear's in your stomach and, you know, you, you're going to be uncomfortable, you can't care about anything about just what you believe. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep the noise out and just do what you believe in and things will work out. You and know? that's harder to do nowadays with social media. It's harder to do, but if you can, you'll be successful. Yeah. I think that's just necessary because... You know, it's it, being an entrepreneur, it's difficult and you got to have a lot of thick skin and go through a lot of, you know, trials take risk, take risk. And also, you know, it's a roller coaster. So you've got to just be like focused. And if you're doing the right thing and you're, you're making sure, you know, you're you're keeping people happy and, and your customers and showing up and responsible, then just keep doing that, you know, kind of grind, you get, you know, move dirt, move dirt, you know, cause it's, you know, life's going to punch you eventually. Right. And it's like, you should have done this or you should have done that. You just got to stick to what you, what you believe in. You know, it's so funny when I was younger, I, I worked for a couple landscapers and I, I did odd jobs around the neighborhood. I always had a young hustle to me. And uh, my, my parents worked extremely hard. My dad was a truck driver. My mom worked in a nursing facility, you know, playing bingo and activities with the old people. And we didn't go without, you know, I, I had food and I had a house or we didn't have the best setup. And uh, I always said, like, man, I, I want to make money, but I don't want to shovel dirt. You know, I don't want to be doing landscaping. And, you know, all those things, uh, if people have moved away from the trades and you can make a ton of money there. So anybody young watching, get into that. But talking about moving dirt, like I'm moving dirt every day. Yeah. If you want to win, you got to move dirt. You got to go through those trials. You got to go through those tribulations, and yeah. you got to get up and be ready for that fight. Move that dirt. Yep. My buddy Matt said, "You some days you're moving it with a spoon, yep. and some days you're moving it with an excavator." Yep. And you got to get up and move that dirt and be fucking okay with with getting after working. Yep. Second question, and this could be two or three other local business owners that you love, places you love to shop, eat, hang out, have a beer. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we talked coffee a little bit, and, and I know there's some local ones that are great in the area, but I think what Mike's doing at, at Turnstile uh, in Belmar is great. He's doing something a little bit different, and I know you're a, a Divi guy and stuff, but, like, and shout out, they do a great job. But, you know, just a little bit outside of that, I think he does an unbelievable job. And uh, I'll give a shout out to the Burger 25 people in Tom's River. Um, yeah, they seem to be killing it. Yeah, and Steve and Denise are great people, and I think they would, you, you, you know, having them on here would be uh, Tell them to fill out the application. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah, We'd awesome. love to have them. Awesome. Well, Rob, I, I appreciate your time, man. I love your vibe. You, you guys are huddled up and you know, I'm gonna be Bill Parcells coming in and Thank I'm gonna you. tell you, dude, you guys could, could absolutely crush it. Appreciate it. What you wanna bring, you're getting back to the blocking and tackling. This guy, I seen him run a bunch of different Starbucks. I, I monitor him. He did move my chairs a little bit in secret. I was pissed for a while. But uh, you guys have a, a good team and a good vibe going on. And 
I'd love to just be a part of it and watch it on the journey. Awesome. And I appreciate not just as a listener, but what you're doing here is something special and you're really giving back. And, you know, even for me, who's been doing it for 22 years, I'm always listening and I get nuggets of wisdom every single time I listen. So keep up the good work. I really appreciate it. I Cheers. appreciate my team, Evan, all of us. All of you. We're, Thank we're, you. We're, on a, we're on a mission and I'm not going to stop until I impact millions. Love I it. promise you. Love it. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you.